Welcome to the worship service from Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia. Trinity Chapel is a small, traditional, and biblically-based congregation in the southwest corner of Virginia. The church pastor is the Reverend Bob Bierman, also host of Truth to Ponder, heard on this station. We invite you to be a part of our worship service today. To learn more about the church, its mission, and its vision, visit the website trinitychapelvirginia.com. That's trinitychapelvirginia.com. And now join us in the sanctuary of Trinity Chapel for today's broadcast. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time that we gather around your word, I pray you'll open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive that that you have for us this day. For this we ask in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. One of the hardest things, and I remember as a kid, now I grew up in a Lutheran church, a very conservative one, and I got kind of used to communion being celebrated often in that church. We had, oh, depending upon what year, as the church had grown and we had a big school, it was typical to have four and five services on a Sunday morning to accommodate the number of people. And I was in a couple of choirs, so they would alternate what was called the Order of Matins, which was just, just a very basic service of prayers and hymns and a message, along with alternating with the communion service. So if the early service started with communion, the next one didn't have communion. The one after did, they alternated. Then they would reverse it the next Sunday. So there was a pretty, and the only time they did communion at all the services was Easter and Christmas. Maybe some big festival like that. Outside of that, no, it was definitely communion on a regular basis. And it took me as a child being in that church, I knew the liturgy by heart by the time I was 10 or 11. I didn't even need the book. I could just do it by heart, except certain prayers that changed week by week. I knew all the responses. But even as I came into my early teens learning about what this gift was, it took me really until my adult years and into the ministry to finally comprehend some of this. Not that we have to pass a test to fully understand it, because it is a gift. And it's a good thing God does not say, well, here's a test. You have to fill this out. And if you don't pass it, it doesn't work that way. And thanks be to God for that. None of us, myself included, could probably really ever pass a full test of that nature. I was hesitant to read that gospel lesson because a lot of people hear that and it sounds weird. That just that's a, sounds awful. My flesh, my blood, and that, it, it, this is awful. And, and when I really got exposed to that, those verses, a little bit later in life, because you'd be surprised how many churches just kind of blow right past those. You know, why upset the apple cart? Until you begin to thoroughly understand the mindset 
the mindset of what what is what is Jesus saying? What is what is understood by those that are hearing his message? Sometimes we perceive the things that Christ says a little differently because of our culture today, and we may miss a nuance which is really kind of important. We've all heard, and I'm going to start with this, it's not the greatest analogy, but it's a starting point. You are what you eat. You've heard that story, you've heard that expression in life. If I spend a lifetime eating wholesome and great foods, I'll probably be a lot healthier than I am today, but I didn't. Oh, there's been a number of quarter pounders with cheese along the way. Some shakes pizza and many years ago there was a restaurant that probably should have been shut down because of its unhealthy food <laughs> called Wiener King it was a hot dog place and it, and it sold these one foot hot dogs full of chili and onions and the saltiest things on the face of the earth but they were so good with onion rings That concept in ancient times is more understood then than I think we even understand it today. We use a a word that I think encompasses to our minds something a little easier called partake. We partake of him. What does God say? Put on his nature. We are to take on the nature of Christ in our lives. That's one of the things the Bible is pretty clear about. We are to be Christ-like. How many times have we heard that expression out there? We should be more Christ-like in the way that we communicate with people and act with people. And I know I'm as guilty as anybody, probably worse. Sometimes when things are not going right, I really, we fall into that trap of our humanness and we treat other people, would Christ treat them that way? And I'm sure that there, all of us have had those times when we didn't. The ancients understood this concept of eating, partaking, taking on the nature. Let me put that again. In their culture, and what Jesus and and there's a really we we take on the nature of Christ, and and this this time we spend with the cup and the bread there's nothing super mysterious about it though i don't thoroughly understand it and i don't think anybody ever will i know many theologians have tried to write books and volumes of books 20 volumes of books trying to explain what cannot really be explained in human terms so we put it in simple terms we are what we eat we take on the nature we partake and fellowship with him we bring into, the, into today those things of the past when Jesus was with his, with his disciples. And, and there's one, I remember years ago having a, a college professor explain that we don't see it, we don't understand it. Maybe this is the mystery we can't comprehend. As this professor said, we, we fail to recognize that God transcends the time and space continuum that we live in. Even Einstein had figured that out, that something was beyond what we see, touch, and feel. And notice that everything in our lives is based upon our human senses. 
We have the sense of smell, the sense of touch, the sense of hearing, eyesight. We have all these senses, and we, we gauge the world in which we live by the senses that we have, not fully comprehending there are things our eyes cannot see. There are things our ears cannot hear. And there's knowledge, as St. Paul says, we see through a glass dimly. We, don't comp- we only know what we know. But I think St. Paul was given just a little bit of a vision so he could understand the message he preached of what we do not see. And even he could never comprehend it. But it was a glorious vision. It was something beyond him. It motivated him to surrender his life, what he had. He walked away from, if you understand St. Paul's position at that time around Jerusalem. He abandoned it all for the cause of the gospel. He was a very powerful individual. Member of the Sanhedrin. I mean, this is not some little... This is not like a little club. This, this is a big deal. And he walked away from all that. He had power. He had authority. He had respect in the Jewish community and even among the Romans of the day. And so if Paul is persecuting Christians, then it's an okay thing to do. If Paul is holding, if, if he's holding the cloak of those that are stoning Stephen to death, which is what he did. He participated. He may have not dirtied himself to throw a stone, but he was more than happy to hold the jackets of those that did. And God was able to get a hold of him on that road. That's where we get that expression being knocked off your high horse. That's where that expression comes from. Paul being hit by that light, knocked off his high horse. Saul, Saul, why dost thou persecute me? The Christians, when he first announced his, you know, his experience, even the Christians were afraid to get near the guy. They had to find this blind guy that didn't care that would take the time to instruct Paul in the faith. And Paul becomes one of the most prolific people we, we read from. Somebody asked me one time if you were just, there's a term used and I, I'm not going to elaborate it. It's going to be my my theology tends to lean Pauline if that makes any sense, you know, because we have so much of Saint Paul, and I like him for two reasons. If you get into the deep languages, he calls it as he sees it. The the King James uses some glossy words where Saint Paul really didn't. He he. For his time, he had some colorful language. He was blunt, to the point, didn't waste time, and really wasn't worried about how you felt about what he had to say. But then again, look at the job that he had before him. A whole territory, a whole region, and time was of the essence in his mind because he knew, I think early on, that he was on borrowed time from the day that he accepted Christ to the day that his life would be taken. He always knew that day would come. Never worried about it. Whenever he ran out of money, he made tents to fund his missions at work. He, he was about the work of the gospel. And so 
when we come to this communion as the way our mind is reading the the gospel that I shared it sounds foreign to our ears until we're, we understand we are putting on the fullness of Christ in us around us through us not just to ourselves but even unto others what's that old expression the only sermon somebody may ever hear or see is you and the way you live out your faith. If we, if I'm to say, what is the message for today? The message for today is simply defined as putting on the nature of Christ in our lives. Let Christ be seen through us to others within our families, in our relationships. I know it's not easy. All of us, all of us have times of stress and strife. I can imagine raising a family. I can imagine the fun of kids. I've had kids and I've had grandkids that I've raised. So I had my fill of it for years. And life can be great and life can be a challenge. But it's a life still worth living. We have to work. Sometimes we have jobs we love. Sometimes it was like, oh, Lord, it's Monday again. And Saturday can't get here fast enough. How many times have we had jobs? And I know I did for a while, a couple of times in my life. I just lived for the weekend. That was an old song, Living for the Weekend, way back in the 70s. And we allow five out of seven days to just be tossed aside to work and rest and uh, complain and then watch the news. But when Friday, oh, Friday and Saturday and then Sunday afternoon, the gloom begins to set in. Uh, we got to start it all, all over again. It's funny, in spite of it all, when St. Paul started out his work week after he took his time of rest, I think he really enjoyed the work that God gave him. I'll close on this thought. We commune to gather together to unify ourselves as the body of Christ, which is, uh, the church is nothing more than the living body of Christ, the ecclesia, the called ones, chosen. We are the ones that come to this table. We're here because God wants us here. We are here because we want to be here. It's a two-way street. As the service was, you'll hear it as we commune in just a few minutes. And even though the melody is different than the one I knew as the kid growing up and sang in the choir, I come, O Savior, to thy table. For weak and weary is my soul. The bread of life alone art able to satisfy and make me whole. Lord, may thy body and thy blood be for my soul the highest good. I still remember singing that when I was about this tall. And those words are ever, forever part of who I am. Because I recognize I'm not worthy to come here, but he makes me worthy to come there. Isn't it a good thing to know that it's not my worthiness? I want to have that nature of Christ in me, even at 60, almost nine years of age. I still need to have that nature.
I still need to be a better witness than I have been and, and oftentimes still to this day fail to be. But it's the world in which we live. It's not an excuse. It's just the reality that we need more of his nature within us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that we gathered around your word. And I pray for each and every one of us today to come deeper into that relationship with your son who gave his life, his lifeblood, and his body broken for us on that cross. That we may have life and have life everlasting. For this I ask in Jesus' name, and all the congregation said, Amen and Amen. You've been listening to the worship service from Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia. Trinity Chapel is a small, traditional, and biblically-based congregation in the southwest corner of Virginia. The church pastor is the Reverend Bob Beerman, also host of Truth to Ponder, heard on this station. We want to thank you for being a part of our worship service today. To learn more about the church, its mission, and its vision, visit the website, trinitychapelvirginia.com. That is trinitychapelvirginia.com. And we invite you to join us next week at the same time for another service from Trinity Chapel.